On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang a song of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 19, The Dog Show. This is probably our longest-awaited and most-anticipated podcast topic so far. It has definitely been the one I've had the most requests for from people who have contacted me. It's actually been one of the most challenging to put together, not because dog owners don't like to give interviews, but because there aren't that many people hiking with a dog on the long trails out there. Although we typically think of dogs as being better athletes than humans, it turns out that when it comes to long miles in a row, doing the daily grind, humans are better at long hiking than dogs are. And most dogs, just like many humans, are just not up to the challenge. In this episode, we'll get to hear from three different dog owners as they talk about the challenges and ups and downs of hiking with a dog. The other reason that this episode has been a little bit challenging for me to put together is because I don't really know anything about dogs. I don't have a dog. I've never had a dog. Uh, And in fact, the only pet that I have is a bin of composting worms that lives in my back bedroom. I feed them melons and coffee grounds. They give me dirt. It's a pretty good trade. Uh, They're actually more challenging of a pet than I had imagined they would be, mostly because it's really hard to tell if they're happy or not. The only way I can tell if they're really unhappy with the conditions in their bin or how much I'm feeding them, etc., is when they all start to die. <laughs> so I've, I've only had one complete wormpocalypse, uh, but I think, you know, me and my worms, were, we're finally getting in tune with each other, getting to know each other. I'm anticipating their needs a little bit better. You know, and that turns out to be the same problem that people have when hiking with dogs is that it's just so important to be in tune with their dogs and their dogs' needs. You know, they they can't tell you what's going on, and you really have to be in... You have that connection, and you'll hear that reiterated over and over with our dog owners. But before we get started on the dogs, we're going to start out with a quick interview with a thru-hiker named Ratatouille. And the name Ratatouille might be familiar to some of you, because Ratatouille is actually the producer of another thru-hiking podcast out there. And uh, the impressive thing about Ratatouille's podcast is that not only does he produce it, but he does all of the interviewing and editing as well, and he's doing it all while he's hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, which, you know, as, as someone who is learning to be a podcaster myself and who understands how much work goes into the backside of producing a podcast, I am completely blown away by his ability to put these things together, especially because I'm pretty sure his audio production is better than mine. So if you haven't heard of his podcast, it's called Trailside Radio. It's definitely worth a listen. He uh, he brings a little bit different perspective to his podcast and Sounds of the Trail. We've all done a thru-hike before, uh, Kimchi, Par 3, and I. You know, we've all been out on the trail, and I think we do bring some of that perspective to the topics uh, that we talk about and just how we sort of address it. But this is Ratatouille's first through hike, and he definitely brings that really present, new, and fresh outlook to his podcast. So, like I said, if you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. It's Trailside Radio. There'll be a link to it on our website if you're interested. But with that said, let's hear from Ratatouille himself. This is Ratatouille of Trailside Radio. And Par 3 from Sounds of the Trail. A little hiking podcast off. Yeah, a little battle. <laughs> <laughs> so I met you... Uh, just a few days ago. Coming just, down Mount Hood. Yeah, just north of Timberline Lodge there. Had that moment of somehow I mentioned a podcast and a conversation. and so, like, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm like, you have a podcast? Yeah, and then I actually, so I got an email from Gizmo that had gotten delivered. I didn't get it until I got here, but um, she was like, yeah, if you want to go 
find this guy, Ratatouille, like, I was like, oh, well, oh, what a coincidence, had... yeah, she literally had emailed me that day. And you hadn't mentioned that, mm-hmm. okay, nope. yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, how, how did that podcast come about, and how did you get involved with it? So, um, our, our listeners are going to know this background story, but uh, mm-hmm. me and Kimchi hiked last year, we hiked most of the summer together, and this year when she went out on the AT, she got involved kind of from the beginning with Sounds of the Trail, and... I got asked, I was, where was I, Mammoth maybe? Yeah, I was in Mammoth, and they reached out to me, and they needed some more correspondence, and I was like, yeah, I'm in. It was kind of like a spur of the moment, but it worked out. It's been fun. I think I've done, like, nine or ten episodes now with them, mm-hmm. and, yeah, we're having a blast. Yeah. What about yourself? Um, I made the decision to do this through hike and started off with the notion of doing a blog. My friends and family asked me to do so, and then I just... I evolved into the idea of doing an audio blog, which evolved into the idea of, oh, but I could also interview other people and record music on the trail and edit it together and put in a theme song and make it a podcast. Mm-hmm. By then, I knew it was a pretty overwhelming project. But... Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. From my perspective, it's more of just like I record some interviews and I send them in, but you're doing the whole thing from out here. Yeah, I am doing all of the editing and all of the post-production on the trail. That's impressive. That's pretty impressive. It's also slowed me down a lot. It's one of the reasons that I am only done 1,400 miles of the trail after a little over four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have an injury that took me out for a couple of weeks, but the whole process of podcasting has really slowed me down. It takes me about a full day just to edit an episode, and I try to get one out every week. So wow. that's an extra zero a week just to mm-hmm. just to get my podcast done. That's cool. But that's, that gives it a, a feel, like a really authentic... Like, this is coming from one dude who's carrying all the gear for it mm-hmm. on the go. That's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I find myself a little bit jealous of your situation where you have someone to handle that technical mm-hmm. aspect of things. I'm sure, it, does it still feel like a lot of work out on the trail to I mean, those interviews? Yeah, it's it's not work. It's work in the, in the way that it's like, I don't know, um, doing schoolwork for a class that you really enjoy. You know, you know you have to do it, and while you're doing it, it's fun, but sometimes it can be like, oh... Like, it's a checklist item, you know? Mm. But I do enjoy it. Like, I really have had some of the cooler conversations with people on the podcast that I've had out here. And some people, it's amazing. They just, you put a microphone out, and you don't know what's going to happen. They could either be shy, or, like, some people blow my mind, and they're perfect on their voice. They just can really articulate their thoughts really well. Mm. So, it's been a really fun experience, and I've... I did a little radio in college, but I'd never really done anything like this, and I don't know if you have. Not really, no. I have a, a background in music that gives me a little bit of uh, experience dealing with audio and, you know, yeah. running EQ and compression and things like that, but the whole process of interviewing people has been a, yeah, a big learning curve for me. How many of your interviews have ended up happening off-trail? A couple. I'd say it's about half and half. Mm-hmm. I think timing of the interviews... Like, you're not going to want to interview someone the first day out of town. I thought about that a lot. And, like, I'm not going to catch someone when they're beat, tired, and not really feeling talkative. Uh, I think my favorite times have been on the way into town. Like, town day, that morning, people are always so happy. They're so talkative. And I found that that's a really good way to do it. And, uh, I don't know, it's a little more authentic being out in the woods and talking to people on it instead of sitting in a motel room but you get it where you can exactly i've envisioned myself trying to get a lot more of the interviews on trail and i've done a number of those but there's uh so much more uh opportunity when you're in town that's when hikers are resting and they don't mind taking the time as opposed to when you're on trail yeah you don't want to ask people to take away from their hiking hours yeah and that's the other thing like in certain stretches whether it's been like uh, with fires or with storms or um, people are just kind of jamming you know they're trying to do 30 miles through Oregon they get they have a deadline they're trying to be done by dark or whatever and stopping for a half an hour can really uh, throw things off and I don't, I'm not going to bother someone but you know, I try real hard to not be the trail paparazzi yeah yeah exactly 
people don't come out to do a long distance hike and spend that kind of time in the wilderness just to have someone jump out from behind a tree with a microphone like hey come be on my podcast exactly exactly How, have you found that podcasting has affected your hike in any ways like have you gotten extra trail magic from it or have you met people on trail who already knew who you are I've had that happen I thought it I kind of thought like right when I started it happened like three or four times like three or four people were like oh you're part three and like I had a buddy stay at a trail angel and she was like well, I wanted part three to come stay at my house, and I had no idea. And, like, uh, I thought it was going to start to keep, like, get even worse than that. But, like, I really don't, haven't had that many people. Um, maybe they'll say, they might be being polite and be like, oh, yeah, I've heard your name. Or, but um, it is kind of funny. I get a lot of, oh, you're a Ratatouille. I've heard of you, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, they've heard of the podcast. It's like, no, they, they saw my name on the water report. <laughs> they've seen it in some trail registers. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay, I'm not as trail famous as I thought. Like, how many times have you gotten, like, the, like, I've heard your name, but I honestly couldn't tell you where. And, oh, like, sure. And they're yeah. just like, I literally, and then, like, you could, I kind of be like, maybe the podcast, they're like, oh, yeah, that might be it, or, like, I don't know. I mean, I've been on the other side of that experience, too, when I meet someone for the first time, and they hear they say their trail name, and I know I've heard them brought up in conversation, and yeah. I couldn't tell you anything. remember when or who or where, but. What's your bigger picture plan? My bigger picture plan? I'm definitely keeping the podcast going. Um, I'm going to be doing episodes in the off-season, interviewing people who've done some adventures besides the PCT, um, talking about the, the CDT and some of the other trails out there. And then um, time will tell. I'm going to wait to make the decision about what sorts of long and or short hikes I'm going to be doing yeah. in the next couple of seasons, but uh, I definitely plan to be doing at least some of that There's trails all over the place, and the more you're out here, the more you hear. Oh, what about you hear about the one in Japan? You hear about the one in oh, you yeah. know, there's they're everywhere. Yeah. You just gotta find them or create them. Yeah. So I don't know. I may do some spot checking on the PCT, go back and pick up some of the sections mm-hmm. I missed, and then do like a, a, a shorter trail in its entirety or something along those lines. So I have so in the short term, I have two pieces that I've missed. I've connected footsteps except for Paradise Valley to Idlewild. And uh, the section in Bend from Elk Lake to Sandiam Pass. Okay. So my tentative plans now are I really want to do a winter hike on the PCT. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go snowshoe and do some kind of snowshoe ski trip uh, between Sandiam and Elk Lake in the winter. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, kind of want to end my hike by climbing to Jacinto from Paradise Valley. Nice. And that be my final footsteps because I I don't know something about that mountain I have that view is pretty stunning. You know? <laughs> pines to fo- pines to the desert is pretty pretty cool. That uh, I think my favorite sunset I saw the entire trail was on San Jacinto, and I've heard that more than a few times. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty awesome place, but yeah, cool. But in the meantime, staying focused. Yeah. <laughs> Best of luck getting up to the border. Yeah. Hopefully these rains will squash those fires, like you say. You know, I'm not too worried about it. I'm just, I know I'm going to be hiking to Trout Lake starting today, so that's what's on my mind for now, and whatever happens, happens. But yeah, good luck going home. Make sure you get back out here. Thank you. Oh, I will. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, September. I've got three weeks i got to spend on trail. Cool. That's the plan. Cool. Well, yeah, I don't know who won the battle, but... Oh, God, it was a battle, right. Shoot. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll seed, or maybe we could declare it a tie. Yeah, all right. All right. We could, it'll be a tie. It's a draw, which means maybe we'll have to have a rematch in the future. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool, man. Cheers, man. I'm glad I met you on trail. Yeah, you too. All right, so this is part three from Sounds of the Trail. Ratatouille from Trailside Radio. And we're signing off. Big thanks again to Ratatouille for joining us on our podcast. With that said, let's zoom on over to the Appalachian Trail to hear from Oyster and Nate Dog. <laughs> hey, this is Kim Chi with Sounds of the Trail, and we are sitting at what shelter is this? Do you know Logan Brook? Is Logan Brook. Yeah. We're at Logan Brook Shelter. It's a fine rainy morning in Maine. We're still in the 100 mile wilderness, and luckily, I got to meet these two awesome folks this morning who definitely changed my mental attitude. <laughs> They had to listen to me.
screaming and complaining <laughs> coming up the hill. But um, they are actually hiking with a dog, which is great because I think we're going to be doing an episode on hiking with dogs. I've only met, I think, two other people who were hiking with their dogs. And honestly, I don't know if they're still on trail. And has Nate gone the entire way so far? He has. He's gone the entire way, other than the Smokies. Dogs aren't allowed there. But. Okay, so we're going to talk about kind of the ins and outs of hiking with dogs. Um, let's talk to Nate Dog's owner. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself? Just tell us where you're from, how old you are, and when you started, why you started, and why you brought Nate. Um, I'm Oyster. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I'm 23. Um, I started on February 24th, which is definitely pretty early for the AT. But uh, Yeah. Uh, I wanted to come out here. It's something I've always wanted to do, um, and I, I just can't go hiking anywhere without my dog. So he he was going to come with me. So where else have you Where else have you guys hiked? And also, tell me what kind of a dog he is and how old he is. Yeah, he's a he's an Australian cattle dog. He's five years old. Um, we've hiked just a lot around Western North Carolina. Um, done a few backpacking trips. Um, he this is one of his favorite things to do. It seems like. <laughs> So, uh, how many miles has Nate Dog hiked so far? Because you, I mean, you got to take the Smokies out, and you can tell us, tell us what the deal is with hiking with dogs in on the trail in general. Like, what are the rules? Um, I mean, depends on where you are. Obviously, if you're in a national park, they're going to have really strict rules. Um, for instance, the Smokies doesn't even allow dogs. Um, Shenandoah, you have to keep them on a leash the entire time, which, trust me, is the worst thing you will ever do. Um, but hiking with a dog, it's just, it's kind of like hiking with a, a little person that you have to take care of. Um, it's kind of almost like a guiding experience, I would say. It's, which is what I like to do. So it's, it's been great. <laughs> um, so what kind of, like, how do you deal with this food? Because obviously we're already carrying so much crap anyway, and our bags are so heavy. How do you deal with this food? Uh, I mean, because a lot of people are always like, why would anyone hike that far with a dog? It's just rude. Like, I feel like PETA would just be like, what the hell are you doing? So tell me, tell me, like, really the positive sides of it, how you take care of him, how he takes care of you, that kind of thing. Well, yeah. Um, I, I've actually had several people, like, confront me about hiking with the dog, and I just point to him and say, does this dog look upset to you? You know, I think it's better than leaving him on a couch all day while you go to work, you know, leaving him in a cage or something like that. Like, he's he's getting to tromp around the woods. He gets to chase squirrels. He gets to have the time of his life. Um, there are there are challenges. The food, uh, luckily on the AT, there's always somewhere you can get dog food. The only problem is a lot of times it's not the best dog food. Right. Um, so if you really want uh, your dog to have good food the entire time, you're going to have to buy it up front. And ship it to yourself, which I did for a while. Uh, but he's actually done really well. He's at least the same weight as when we started. He actually might be a little heavier. Huh. Uh, just because I carry at least two pounds of, well, it, I'd say about two pounds of food for him a day, which obviously adds a lot of weight to my pack. But honestly, you get used to it. You know, a heavy pack isn't the end of the world. You know, you can still walk. Man, that's a that's the quote of the day. Uh, so I've I, when I have seen other people with their dogs, their dogs are like packing out stuff. Does mm-hmm. Nate pack anything out? No, Nate. Nate doesn't have uh, anything to carry. Uh, I just don't think that dogs are pack animals. Um, on a, on a shorter trip, I would definitely let him carry a pack. Um, some dogs actually do better with a pack, but he just he doesn't. You know, he's a he thinks he's a wild dog. So uh, I like to keep him unencumbered. Um, he does chase things a lot. Sometimes that gets annoying because uh, you have no idea where your dog is. Uh, but if you have the right dog, I think it's maybe – I haven't hiked without a dog, so I don't know. But I think it's a more fulfilling experience um, because you get, to, you get to take your best friend with you, and that's, that's always cool. Yeah. You said you sleep in a hammock, right? Mm-hmm. Does he – he doesn't sleep with you in the hammock. How, like, what are his sleeping accommodations like? Uh, his sleep, I usually tie his leash to uh, the end of my hammock straps and try to make him some kind of bed, usually my rain gear, um, something that he can lay on. But most of the time, honestly, he just digs himself a little hole and lays in that. There have been a couple nights where it's really rainy where I'll pull him up into the hammock with me and he'll sleep with me for a while. But he's not really into that. <laughs> <laughs> he's an independent dog. He's not a cuddler. He's, yeah, he, he's definitely very independent. 
which is a good thing out here, I think. So, especially in like through the whites and and southern Maine, there's a lot of challenging scrambling. Uh, I mean, this trail is very, and I'd like you guys to try and describe kind of the hell that is the mm-hmm. the mountains, because I think a lot of people don't really understand what what that terrain is like who don't hike and i think like people who don't hike the appalachian trail don't understand and me personally i mean i'm southbounding now and i'm kind of scared but i'm excited (laughs) but coming from the pacific crest trail i hate to say it the pacific crest trail is kind of like a walk in the woods um do you want to describe that and how that is uh how you do that with a dog yeah um so i had a lot of people going into the whites tell me i should not take him um but this dog has been rock climbing before. Um, he he does better than most people do. Yeah, you um, look at a scramble up a rock face, and you're like, "How am I going to do this?" And Nate does it in two steps. Yeah, he, he's like, <laughs> he's 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 kind of he's got a lot of gumption. You know, he he doesn't really have much fear. So uh, pretty, excuse me, pretty much anything he can do, um, he amazes me every day with what he can do physically. Um, the, the the southern main section definitely is it's pretty treacherous and like you said a lot of people kind of underestimate the Appalachians as little foothills uh, that's really not the case like they're not as high as say out west or in other parts of the world but there is a lot of a lot of challenges in these little hills that people call you know um, definitely very rocky um they're they're kind of limited with their trail maintenance especially up here in maine um i think glaciers had a lot to do with that <laughs> just because they've kind of destroyed the rock and the, the soil so a lot of times you're just kind of hopping through rocks and roots and you know it, it's it's definitely f- very physically challenging it's the hardest thing i've done physically in my entire life for sure um, but have, having him with me he gives me a lot of uh it gives me a lot of hope because uh, if, if if Nate can do it, anybody can do it. You know, Nate, he's a he's a pretty <laughs> awesome dog. He's actually laying right now in the shelter, belly up, <laughs> getting rubbed. He he's 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 loving life right now. Yeah, his eyes are completely closed. He's got his paws up in the air. He's I mean, you said he wasn't a snuggler, but he snuggled up right on guacamole slash margarita's leg. And he just looks like he's in heaven right now. We're all, like, waiting out the rain. I don't think it's going to stop. As you guys can probably hear, it's raining pretty good. Yeah, so when when did you decide that you were... I mean, when did you decide to start taking him outdoors with you all the time? Did you ever, like, worry about his paws or anything like that? Uh, actually, the very first thing Nate and I ever did together was go hiking. I picked him up. He's a, he's a pound pup. I picked him up from the shelter, and we went straight to the woods, uh, and we went hiking. <laughs> do you ever worry about, like, his paws or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, Does yeah, he, yeah. Like, how, how do his paws do, especially when it's, like, cold and, and raining? So his paws have done remarkably well. The, the Probably the biggest problem with his paws was in Pennsylvania because oh. it's, it's a sea of rocks, um, and it's very hot. Uh, he did get a couple, like, cracks in his paws, but I bought this stuff. You can buy it at pretty much any pet store. Uh, it's a little cream that they use usually for sled dogs. You just rub that on his paws, and those cracks were gone almost the next day. Nice. Uh, he, his paws have done really well. He's had a couple limp incidents. He's had a couple, well, a porcupine incident. <laughs> he did get quilled back in New Jersey. Uh, he had 21 quills in his snout and in his mouth. Because oh. after it swatted him, naturally he was like, you must die now. So he bit it. <laughs> It didn't really work out too well for him. Nothing really wins against a porcupine. So we had to go to the vet for that. Got kind of expensive. And other than that, he hasn't had too many scary wildlife encounters. He chases bears, but bears generally are very scared of dogs because they use dogs to hunt uh, bears. So the only real scary incident I've had with Nate was actually back in Vermont where he chased a moose thinking that it was just a large, funny-looking cow. And that's what he's bred to do, is chase the cow. And he was nipping at its heels. And obviously, moose, they can't move very fast in the swamps and the, the thick woods. So he was with that moose for about an hour. Oh, man. Gone for me. I was looking for him for 
I think it was about two hours, just running in circles, almost in tears, thinking my dog's somewhere in the woods, probably dead. Oh, man. So I went back to camp and did what we call smoking your mental cigarette, which for me was a literal cigarette. Don't smoke. (laughs) But yeah, just kind of sit there, try to figure out what to do. And before I knew it, he was nuzzling me from behind, just like, hey, what's up, man? I got it. (laughs) I beat the moose. He's lucky. He's lucky. Moose are usually kind of not very stoked to get bothered with. I know no. that. So good on you, Nate, for not dying. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do in your real life and also how you financially made this happen? Because that's another thing that we are probably trying to talk about. Um, and then as, as far as financially goes, let's talk about uh, how dog affects you financially <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna, you're going to spend more money with the dog. A lot of there are some hostels that are not dog friendly, which you have to just kind of understand and deal with. That's part of part of what you sign up for. So you spend a little bit more time in hotels, which obviously gets more expensive. There are incidents that you have to be prepared for because you know dogs they're learning out here just like we are. For instance, the porcupine incident cost close to four hundred dollars. Wow! Hey. So you just have to you have to have a little bit more money to hike with a dog. I was fortunate in that I had some money saved up from a long period of time. It will probably, I would say, will cost you at least 25% more wow. to do it with a dog. It's just, it's where your priorities are. It's what you want to do. I mean, it's been worth it for me. That's all I can say. You're such a good dog dad. <laughs> so, also, for you, if you, you don't have to tell me if you don't want, if you're uncomfortable, that's fine. But how much money do you save up for your thru-hike? Because people do ask me this a lot, and I can tell you what I saved. But I don't have a dog. Yeah. About $7,500. Wow! Yeah. It, <laughs> I, and I also planned, I, I've been, obviously, today is August 21st, and I started on February 24th, and I'm about, you know, 60, 70 miles from the end. So, definitely been doing it slow, which is probably another thing I would recommend if you want to do it with a dog, is take your time, because... Yeah, they have a lot of endurance, but you can. I've seen some really rough-looking dogs out here for people trying to push big miles. The longest day we've done together was 28 miles. Ooh. We've only done three or four days over 25 miles. I can maybe 20 days over 20 miles. Like You just have to take your time, which personally, if you have the time, I would recommend doing it with or without a dog. Take your time. This is a, this is a pretty wonderful experience, and I wouldn't recommend rushing through it. So now I get to ask you my favorite questions. What What do you think the best parts of the trail were for you? And maybe if you could, um, it seems like you know Nate really well, so maybe you can tell me what you think his best parts were. <laughs> and then what do you think, like, your biggest learning cu- curve and possibly, like, the worst parts were? And now, I mean, we can sit here and you can tell me about any old thing that you were like, Jesus, I don't, don't think I was going to make it. <laughs> Yeah, so um, for me, I was, the best part had to be the White Mountains. They, there's nothing like it. I've been out west, and I've been to a few other countries and seen the mountains there, but there is nothing like the Whites, especially in contrast with the rest of the Appalachians. It, they're very rocky and craggy. I did a sunrise summit of Mount Washington where there were no people, there were no clouds, and no wind, which is a borderline <laughs> miracle on Mount Washington. But the worst parts, I hit, I hit my low point in New York, crossing the Hudson River. New York is particularly not dog-friendly. Apparently, they had some kind of rabies break, break outbreak a while back. And ever since then, dog-friendly establishments have flipped the other way. It was about 90 degrees. I was hiking down Bear Mountain and was going into Fort Montgomery where I had a mail drop. And I had called a hotel that said I could stay there with the dog. And hitchhiking is also illegal in New York, and they are very strict about that. So you have to walk. And I walked about six miles down a brutally hot, scary, scary highway to get to this hotel. When I got there, they said, I don't know who told you this place was dog-friendly, but it's not. Wow. And I asked them where I could go that was, and they said there's another hotel about three miles further. So I walked three more miles down that highway. And about that time... I, I was considering, like, why am I doing this? This is this is terrible. Who would ever, in their right mind, try to hike this stupid trail? But the the thing is, you just gotta just keep walking. That's kind of been my mantra for the whole thing: is just 
just keep walking. Things get better. I think you're so right. And honestly, I mean, I'm going to get real dorky for a second here. <laughs> but uh, I woke up this morning. I was pretty happy. Being with Rock Ocean is really nice. But I definitely I was listening to the rain, and I was like, Jesus, I don't feel like dealing with this. Bumped into these two, and just immediately was so stoked. Really positive people, super positive energy, really cute dog, <laughs> really cute people. <laughs> so what do you think Nate's ups and downs were? Can you guess? Obviously the porcupine thing probably wasn't. <laughs> probably, probably not his favorite part of the trail. I think Nate's, Nate's low point was Pennsylvania. It's very, very hot, and there's very little water. And dogs, they they get a lot hotter than we do. you got to imagine they're hiking in a jacket the entire time. So that had to be his low point. He also, he didn't, when I started, there was lots of snow, and he didn't really care for that either. Uh. But uh, he's, he's a trooper. He's the kind of dog, if you're familiar with dog breeds, cattle dogs, they really want to just be with their people, and that's what makes them happy. That's why I think they're great for adventures like this, is because they will go literally anywhere you take them. They will not stop, and they, they just they get they get their kicks out of this. I think <laughs> at least Nate does. He gets his kicks out of the the hard stuff. You don't even have to train them to off leash. They just want to be. They with just want to be just with follow you. you anyway. Like I said, Nate will run off every now and then. Like yeah. the moose incident was probably the worst of it. For the most part, he's coming right back. You know, he's not. They're not going to leave you. I think mm-hmm. he thinks that I need his help. Oh. He doesn't even want us to separate while we're walking. Like, if we're walking, he's in front, I'm in the back, like, struggling. Nate is, like, in the middle looking back and <laughs> forth, stressed out that the pack is separated. He does not like for the pack to be separated. And that happens uh, anytime I hike in a group, which I haven't done much. I've been mostly solo for the trip, but he, he needs the pack to be together. <laughs> so actually this is a good question i mean obviously we don't i don't know dog psychology but i know when people finish their through hike they go through a pretty long period of depression i'm kind of wondering how nate's gonna feel uh going back to real life what do you what kind of speculations do you have on that yeah that uh, i'm actually a little bit worried about that it's one of those things that the trail teaches you you just kind of got to take it as it comes and deal with it he still likes a life of luxury. Though. He loves he a couch. Loves a couch. <laughs> I think the hardest thing for Nate is going to be me not being with him all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have obviously have to go back to work and contribute to society in some way. And Nate will have to, you know, bide his time a little bit. But my my general plan is to just get him out in the woods as much as possible when we get back home. Because, to be honest, I'm probably going to want to be out in the woods as much as possible when we <laughs> yeah, get back you are. home. So, um, but aren't you an arborist? No, I'm not an arborist. I work for a zipline company in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. So, uh, uh, it's not real dog friendly. Uh, <laughs> Ziplines, obviously. He has gone before. <laughs> not on the zipline. No, he, he has gone on. Work. He's gone on the zipline. What? <laughs> I didn't tell you that story. Him and Tank both went on the zipline. Neither one of them were very thrilled by I can it. Imagine. Uh, Nate doesn't do heights very well what are you talking about he just climbed the white mountain <laughs> oh yeah let's talk about water real quick and then i can then i can cut this down because i think i've i've stolen a lot of your time and mm, all of our okay you do guess not you don't <laughs> i do but that's okay uh so why don't you tell me what his deal is with the rain because <sighs> rain in general is a thing that most of us deal with i think i hate it the most more out of anybody i'm trying to find peace with it but how does Nate deal with that when it's just raining for a while? Nate gets kind of like, he has this look on his face, like he just gives you the stink eye pretty much anytime you look at him. <laughs> Nate Nate doesn't do rain. In fact, when I first got him, I lived in an apartment complex, and I took him out to pee, and it was pouring down rain, and he just peed in the hallway. <laughs> he saw the rain outside. He just, he doesn't like water. Uh, we've done some river crossings in Maine, and... Uh, he will not come across until it is obvious that he has no other choice but to follow us. Uh, he actually cannot swim. Oh, what? Which he may be the first dog I've ever met that literally can't do it. But none of the crossings have required him to do any swimming. So he's he's been he's been a real trooper as far as that goes. And you know, as soon as we get the courage to walk out into the rain, he'll be right behind us. Nice. Well, uh, if you have anything to say to people who are listening out there. In general, especially people who are thinking about bringing dogs, what would you say to them? Uh, just as your chief advice, because you are a Zen master of dog walking <laughs> through the woods. 
Why don't you uh, Why don't you tell people that? Because I know people have a lot of questions, and I know you guys who are listening are like, I want to bring my dog, but so why don't you name some of the some of the serious things they really need to take into consideration when they're bringing their dogs out? I would say any obedience issues that you have now need to be fixed before you go on the trail. I, I highly recommend it, especially if you have the right dog for this. It can be a thrilling experience. If you have the wrong dog for this, it can actually it can wreck your trip. I've actually seen a few people that started, a lot of people started with dogs and got off. You just have to know your dog. Get to know your dog really well. Find their signs of when they're struggling. And when they're struggling, it doesn't matter how you feel. You need to, to take care of your dog. Um, the biggest, the most upsetting thing I've seen is people not taking good care of their dogs out here. But if you take good care of their dogs, good care of your dogs, they will take good care of you. Quickly talking also about, you said some places aren't dog friendly, so probably a good idea to like research dog friendly states and places. Mm-hmm. Also, national park rules and regulations. Yeah, so the Smokies is your big is your big hurdle for dogs. They do not allow dogs. If you try to go in with the dog, it will be like a two hundred and fifty dollar ticket, which is, in my opinion, just not worth it. There are places that will watch your dogs while you're in the Smokies. Just be judicious about what what those places are. Other than that, your dog can hike the entire AT with you other than Baxter State Park, which is kind of a bummer that uh, your dog can't hike a Totten with you. But Baxter State Park has some pretty strict rules. And for the future of the AT, uh, I'm just a fan of following those rules so that we still get to hike Katahdin because I feel like it would kind of suck to just end your 2,000 mile hike in the middle of the woods somewhere. Abel Bridge. <laughs> yeah, at Abel Bridge. You know, that's kind of anticlimactic. I think Katahdin may be the coolest finishing place on the trail that I know of. So, um, yeah, just follow, follow the rules with your dogs. Don't let them poop just anywhere, you know, kind of train them on where a good place to poop is. Also, being being judicious with water around water sources. Don't let your dog, if someone's filtering do- water, don't let your dog go drink out of the stream right above them. Don't do that. Take good care of your dog, but also got to gotta look out for other people out here too. But I highly recommend it. If you really want to hike the AT with your dog, I, I say just give it a shot, you know. My plan with Nate was the, the morning that he got up and didn't want to go hiking, he would go home which hasn't really happened yet. So I think that's the best way to do it is just have a have a plan B. That's that's kind of good practice for life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just have a good plan B and plan C. And just be ready for the, the trail's going to throw a whole bunch of stuff at you other than roots and rocks, you know. It's <laughs> it's not it's not just walking. It's there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but I think that's what makes the the experience more enriching. So just take it as it comes. You know, nice, nice. That's, that's my best advice. See, I knew, I knew you guys had good stuff going on, because, like I said, I don't know. I get like really, you know, anxious or ask myself why I'm doing this. And waking up this morning, as soon as I started hanging out with them, I was like, "Wow, it's really beautiful out here. It's not raining. It's just really pretty." It is really pretty. Yeah, maybe it's just your positive attitudes. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you. I wish Nate could talk because he's, but he wouldn't right now. He's like in La La Land. <laughs> he's blissed out real hard. <laughs> but thanks a lot, Oyster. Um, do you have anything else you want to say to anyone who's listening out there in general? Just go hiking. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. You'll you'll enjoy it. I promise. Awesome. Thank you. I'm Kim. I'm Kimchi, and I'm signing out. And Oyster, <laughs> signing out. Our next dog owner is Joan of Arc, who we heard from previously on episode 15, but she's going to join us again to talk about what it's like to hike with a dog on the Pacific Crest Trail. Here she is. All right, so we are back here with Joan of Arc, a.k.a. The Kid, and we are talking about dogs on trail. So do you want to give a little introduction for your dog? Um, I've got a husky. Her name is Jamie. And her trail name is Mush. And she's actually not with me right now, so it's quite heartbreaking. But that's all right. I can still talk about her. <laughs> but, um, yeah, she's three years old. And I brought her onto the PCT not knowing what to expect because I've never taken her on a long-distance trail. But I wanted to try it. 
And she actually made it to the halfway point. So she made it about 1,300 miles and did awesome. Um, We did a lot of night hiking, a lot of early mornings, late evenings to get her through the desert. And she just did fantastic. So what do you think are the main differences? What do you think were the, the biggest challenges or differences that you faced having a dog compared to someone who kind of gets to hike at their own pace or their own schedule? Um, well, it's definitely like having a, a hiking partner and it's a little bit more difficult just because if you have a hiking partner, that person can look after themselves, but my dog can't look after herself. I need to take care of her. So I definitely had to put her needs pretty up there on the list like if it was getting too hot anytime it got above 70 degrees I'd have to stop hiking and it was really hard to do because I'd want to keep going and I'd see all these people passing me while I was just having to hang out so it was difficult and just having to look out for like her food her water there's definitely a lot more responsibility than someone without having a dog that's the one thing I've really actually enjoyed about not having her with me is like not having to worry about that because I already have to worry about myself and making sure I've got my food and my stuff situated. So what about the reactions from other hikers? I mean, were they all positive or did you have people kind of question it or um, most, most hikers were actually really cool. Um, I got a few snarky remarks from just a couple of hikers, but yeah, it was mostly people off the trail actually who really put up a stink about me hiking with her. I think just because they'd heard negative stories or something and just thought that a dog didn't belong on the trail. And what's your answer to that? I think it depends, honestly. Like... Going into this, I had the mindset that if my dog ever didn't want to hike, I wouldn't make her. Just because I know it's a hard hike, and I want to do it, so I can push myself to do it. But I think I think it all just depends. Like, I was really in tune with my dog, so if she was hurting or if she was tired, I paid attention to it. But being a hiker with a dog, I've also seen another hiker with another dog who clearly didn't respect the dog and this dog was hurting it had hurt paws it didn't want to hike anymore so honestly just like if you really care about your dog then it's cool to have it on the trail as long as you're willing to let it get off the trail when it wants to I think that's the main point so talk about that kind of decision you know that must have been really mm-hmm. rough and yeah it sucked <laughs> uh definitely but it just I just knew it needed to happen because it was about two days before Chester where I started to notice that she just didn't have that bounce in her step anymore and it just didn't look like she was enjoying it and it was starting to get really hot out and there was one point where I had to help her over a log I fell I was pretty pissed off from falling not at her but just the whole situation and She ended up laying down on the trail, and I was just, like, pissed off. I kept walking, and I realized she wasn't behind me. So I had to backtrack a mile, and she was still laying on the trail. And that's when I realized, like, she just doesn't want to hike anymore. Like, it's not fun for her. She's stressed out. She's not enjoying it. And I think that was when I was just like, "This this needs to stop now. She needs to get off the trail now because this next section is going to be even more hot and more difficult. So I feel like it was a good call. I was in a place where my friend could reach her easily. I've got a friend in Wrightwood who's watching her. Actually, another trail angel. (laughs) So it worked out. So you're excited to see her back. Totally excited. Because she is coming back. She is coming back, yes. she. I decided to have her come back in Washington so that I could do big miles to Oregon, which she can't keep up with. And then Washington's going to be nice and cool, rainy just the right temperature for a husky so i'm so pumped (laughs) three more weeks i get to see my girl (laughs) heck yeah i mean yeah that must be really rough kind of losing i mean it'd be rough 
losing your hiking partner in general that you hiked all that way with, but someone, I guess, treat her like a hiker, someone you're that close with. Yeah. It must just be totally off-putting and weird. totally. The first week without her, I'd, like, kind of almost look behind me, like, where's Jamie? And I'm like, oh, wait, no, she's not here right now. Like, I'd, I'd take double takes, basically. And it took me a little bit to get used to her not following behind me. And I definitely miss her company. Just, you know, it's nice to have a pup to snuggle with every night. <laughs> so great. And she made the tent warmer? Oh, yeah. There's a couple times I even pulled her into my, my sleeping bag. <laughs> um, back at Big Bear and a couple places where it got really chilly. And it's just, I, I miss seeing her really happy, too, because I've never seen my dog more happy than she was on this trail up until that last week, basically. Like, she was just the happiest dog on earth. So give me one of the best memories. Hmm. One of the best memories. So she wears a dog pack, and she didn't wear it through all of the desert because it was just too hot. But I got her one in the Sierras. And so she's been wearing this dog pack for an entire day, like her first day wearing it, and she just doesn't like the thing. She's like, why do I have to wear this? This sucks. Just basically being a bitch about it. And we get to this lake, and I take off the the pack. I'm like, oh, we're we're gonna take a break here. You know, it's fine. And she just goes spazzing out all over the place, like jumping in the lake, jumping out of the lake, running up back and forth, just like going crazy. So happy to have that thing off. It was so funny. Like, I just sat there and watched her. Like, are you serious right now? <laughs> but that's cool. that was definitely one of the best. Um, another one was oh Mount Whitney was by far her favorite day on trail um I'd kept her on leash for most of the most of the trail just being nervous about rattlesnakes and such and then it was about Mount Whitney that I trusted her I'm like you know what she's been staying really close at camp like I've been letting her off at camp and she's been hanging out so I just let her off leash for that entire day she didn't have to carry her backpack because I wasn't carrying much up there and she just loved it. Just went running around. Like, you could just tell she was in dog heaven. It was so great. <laughs> For a husky, I think the trail has to be pretty close to dog heaven. Yeah, definitely. You yep. know? Yep, most I mean, definitely. The, heat, the heat's probably the worst part, but if yeah. you're in the areas without it, she must just feel completely at home. Exactly. And, her yeah, her breed is just, like, ideal for it. Because her paws held up great. I had tons of people ask me about her paws. But huskies have big paws and they're built for miles. And yeah, like she's, like I said, I've never seen her more happy than she was on this trail. And my friend back in Wrightwood has been messaging me, just letting me know how she's doing. And he says she's getting rather bored. So (laughs) I guess I guess going for a run every morning just isn't enough for her anymore. So, so she's got the the real life blues. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That the hikers get when we go back. Yep. So yep. I can I can understand that completely. Yeah, I think I think she'll be pretty pumped for Washington. I think she's gonna kick ass out there. So. Well, hi Jamie. We all miss you. Yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't wait to see her back. Oh yeah. But. Thanks for sharing that. I know it's probably tough to talk about her and that you miss her, but... But I get to see her soon, just three more weeks, so... And then she'll be making it all the way to Canada. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For our last interview with a dog owner out on the trail, we get to have a little bit of a blast from the past as we hear from Sina as she interviews Sled Dog out on the Pacific Crest Trail. There's a little bit of wind noise in this recording, which I did my best to sort of damp down, but it uh, kicks back up at some parts of this interview, so my apologies in advance. Hi guys, it's Sina from Sounds of the Trail. Here I have a dog owner sled dog, right? That's right. Okay. And Oakley. Hi, Oakley. Can you bark for the... No? Okay, fine. Okay, so controversial subject. Dogs on trail. What's your take on it? depends on the dog and the owner and uh-huh. uh, what kind of training and how they make, I mean, you have to properly pre- prepare it. How do you properly prepare it? 
Oh, man. All sorts of stuff. So, Did you do a lot of research on it, or are you just kind of... Yeah, some research and a lot of practice and kind of seeing what what works for her. Such as uh, what? Like, just so, for example. For, for instance, like, getting, getting her paws tougher by, you know, hiking um, at first without anything over her paws. And, uh... So you started with those little booties or whatever they're no, called. No, no. What are they called? The so, little... so I started Sorry. with without without anything, mm -hmm. and I mean like week week long trips and stuff to make it to where her pads are stronger to begin with. To yeah. where you don't have to rely on those booties as much. Um, and then I honestly don't like any of the booties that are on the market, and so I make her her own booties. Do you really? Yeah. You could sell those. Yeah, I'm I'm considering it. You really there's, should. There's cause... not. There's really not anything like what, what I've been making for. Right? Yeah. Now, I've heard complaints. Like, the two dog owners that I've met so far, their dogs like, just can't handle their little shoes. Like, they'll take them off or they'll slip off, and there's always issues, and they end up just carrying them. Right. Yeah. So. There's, uh, I, I haven't been happy with any anything on the market, so I, I, uh, I make her her own. <laughs> yeah. Does she use them a lot, or it seems like now she's just walking without them all um, the time? At, at the moment, yeah, and then, well, plus we're resting, and so I take them off while we're resting, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it depends, you know, I, I pay attention to how she's acting, mm -hmm. and yeah, whenever, and also what kind of terrain we're going through, and yeah. how hot it is, and all the all those factors, and... I know that's like second instinct to you, because you're so used to, like, hiking with her, but what kind of things, because dogs can't say, I'm tired. They can't say I'm hot. I mean, they'll, like, have certain things that happen, and they're all kind of characteristic, like, they're specific characters that they'll have um, individually. But right. what kind of things, like, for her do you look for? Um, so, I mean, for, well, first of all, we don't, we really don't hike in the heat of the day. Okay. Um, like now, and, where it's, like, 100 degrees. Right. And so, <laughs> right now is when we set up shade and yeah. relax and take naps and whatnot, and then... Whenever it cools down, we'll go back hiking. But from the times that I have been out, when it's been borderline too hot, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times I could tell by the way her tongue looks while she's panting. Okay. And also, like she'll she she leads me throughout the whole trail. She's always in front of me, you know, and I'll notice her going more towards the shade or going yeah. a little bit more off the trail. So she kind of so, tells you. She's like she a lot more communicative than some dogs. Some right. dogs just have that pack mentality. Like, they're just loyal to the end. So if their owner wants to keep going, they'll keep going. Right. And a lot, a lot of times those dogs are more following than right. rather than leading. Right. So luckily she leads. And so I, for one thing, I always have my eye on her. She's always in front of me. And so I notice all the little things of how her attitude is changing and yeah. everything. What were your main fears, like, starting? Did you have any, like, anxieties with... This is my main fear. Well, what is? Like, what, the, ha this, being on this, the podcast? This, no, no, oh, no, 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 I was no. like... <laughs> this, this... <laughs> well, honestly, yeah, it's like, so negative people was, like, one of the things I, I was kind of fearful of. And, like, mm -hmm. it's so difficult to take the time to tell everybody all the things that I've done to properly prepare for this. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that wasn't what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, I was talking about the, this portion of the trail through uh, the like the, the Mojave part and oh, the heat, yeah. and yeah, this is this is the part that I feared the most, and so. Just, so you're uh, basically just compromising a lot in regards to like you could probably do this during the day, but she can't, so you're just gonna lay it out. Oh, and yeah. hang out with her. Exactly, definitely. Um, yeah, she she's calling the shots and. So, you um, seem lucky in that regard. Um, what would you say about, I mean, what kind of suggestion would you have for other people? Because I know it is a topic in regards to some people are just so attached to their dogs that they can't be away from them. Yeah. Um, what would you say to them if they really wanted to take them? <sighs> so and there, I, there, there's yeah. so much that goes into it. Like there, there's, of, of course, certain breeds are better at doing certain things than like other. What, for instance, do you know? Um, Cause I have no I idea. Don't, I, I don't want to. <laughs> well, because like, you're like not there, an there, expert. there, there, there are someone I'm talking to. But right. if you ha if you know off the top of your head, a few ones based on your research. Well, I mean, this is this isn't based on research. Um, this is just as from, a dog owner from from what I've seen yeah. and of different dogs and different characters. Disclaimer: Did you hear that? Okay. Go on. <laughs> like uh, a lot of times the. 
the dogs that are much larger seem to struggle mm -hmm. and then the dogs that are much smaller seem to struggle and so like i don't know from what i've seen like a good middle range dog yeah and then they've also got to be driven like they've got to enjoy it like they've uh, not be dragged know, around right like they've they've got to be driven to keep on going and like actually feel like they have a purpose like she she's a working dog yeah and so she she feels like she has purpose for you know the first time in a while rather than sitting in my backyard where or she, being in someone's bored. purse or something right what's that like an accessory dog oh yeah like this those ones the yeah so <laughs> <laughs> if, if you've got a, a tiny pomeranian yeah <laughs> please, please do not try to hide it. <laughs> sage advice all right so any other like pieces in like in regards to does she carry her own food do you carry her food I, kind of I, both i carry her food um okay. so for like smaller hikes that i've done you know like maybe five day hikes I, she she does have a pack and mm -hmm. But from from what I've seen, it's not even worth it. Like she can't carry that much, and it's not like she can carry her actual food because, I mean, if she goes through water, then it gets all wet. Or, yeah. I mean, her her little food bag, uh, or backpack isn't bear proof or rodent proof, and right. so like you don't want to put any type of food in there. Yeah. And so I mean, there's might as well just carry it. Yeah, might yeah. as well just carry it, and especially for a long hike like this, you want to do everything you possibly can to make it as easy as possible for that dog and so yeah i mean that makes if, sense. If, if that means not not putting a pack on her then so be uh, it and yeah. she'll probably get a few more miles out of her too when you do that when you just carry it for her right oh yeah she's she's much happier like uh, i've seen dogs where like their bags are set oh their, their yo, yeah they're sagging. Like sagging oh yeah. it's so sad yeah. oh it's like and a then, pack meal almost and then take take care of their feet every day like i, I wash her feet Every single day, uh, at least once a day, mm -hmm. and pay attention to everything's going on there. Uh, spray some wound care on there. I put chapstick on her pads to keep keep really? them moist. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and that which seems I mean, to work. They, they they make all sorts of balms and stuff, you know, yeah. just to keep moisture. In the there. chapstick work seems yeah. to work at least for yeah, her. That, and that way, I can use it also. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-use. I love yeah. it. Um, and then we kind of talked about this beforehand, but I'll ask you again. Snakes, animals, I mean, what are some of the things? Have you run into anything with her? Like, um, like I said, last year apparently there was some dog that got bit in the face by a rattlesnake. Yeah. Because it was out in front, and, you know, I guess it was got kind of aggressive towards the snake, so. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that also just goes in with how, how you train the dog, and... Uh, make sure that it's good at recall, you know, like whenever you tell it to come, mm -hmm. that it actually responds and even whenever there is a snake or whatever, or yeah. especially whenever there, there is a snake. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's You just... said she's seen a bear, right? She has. Okay. Well, I saw it. Or you saw it, you don't know. I'm not sure if she saw it. <laughs> you just but it, but it, was, it was running off and like, yeah. it was kind of off in the distance, but I'm assuming that she saw it. But any of the other animals that she's seen, uh, she she never runs after them. She's curious about them. Like yeah. she'll, she'll kind of stop and stare at them, but yeah. she doesn't chase them or anything. But you guys like night hikes, so I'd be worried about like mountain lions or something. I mean, she's not I, small, I but she's not big. Are, I, I don't know if this for sure, disclaimer. Yeah. But I hear, that, <laughs> I, I, I hear the mountain lions are actually afraid of dogs. Really? That's what that's what I hear. That doesn't seem, uh, yeah. I don't know, plausible. I don't know. Apparently, like, so from what I hear, coyotes and stuff like that are apparently aggressors to mountain lions. Really? That's what, I, that's what I, somebody just told me that. Just I, a, I don't a day know. I'm going to have to Google this. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer, this is just like me passing along word of mouth. But, but I, I mean, a lot of times I'll have a leash on her. And then I mean, she, there... she's really good at recall. And yeah. She's always within eye distance. Perfect. Well, that's awesome. Any other sage advice before we uh, sign off? Nothing I could think of. Anything to save the dogs? I mean, just make sure you take care of your dogs. I mean, it's a it's a big responsibility. It's like taking taking a child out here, you know. And yeah, yeah you, you've got to constantly look out for it. And I mean, a child that doesn't speak English, at least, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> or speak at all, yeah, or at all, you know. Like, so so you you just got to really pay attention to yeah. them. Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much. All that right, was no awesome. Problem. Well, that's all we have for this week. 
If you are one of the listeners who requested that we cover the topic of dogs hiking on trail, I hope that this episode answered your questions. Uh, if not, I can't help you. <laughs> Anyhow, I, if you requested a sticker and you have not yet received it, I am working my way through the list. Thanks to get, thanks to everybody who contacted me and sent us so many lovely words of encouragement. Uh, with that said, until next week, signing off. Rock Candy Mountain, you never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bulls have the tip of their hats, and the railroad bulls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey, too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe on the big rock Candy Mountain.